Hello, this is the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. I am Garrett Ashley Mullet, and it is Monday now, November 9th, 2020. We will see what comes this week and in the coming weeks, but Saturday, after I had recorded my last episode about fighting the attempts at stealing the election on the part of the Democrats, the mainstream media, one by one, like dominoes, announced that Joe Biden was the president-elect. They projected, first starting with NBC, or at least that was the first source that I saw that declared Biden the winner, and then following in quick succession Fox News and pretty much everybody else talking about Biden being inevitable and how he was going to be accepting the nomination or the results of the election and immediately begin forming his government. This is just the way that it is, and let's all move on. Now, I saw the article from NBC News when I looked at my phone. There was a Drudge Report alarm banner, and it announced that Joe Biden had been elected president of the United States of America. Now, I clicked through the Drudge Report, even though I very rarely to never check Drudge Report anymore. I don't find Matt Drudge's site to be reliable anymore ever since he decided he had it in for Trump and everybody that worked with Trump about a year ago or more. But I clicked through and his link took me to NBC News, which is not fair and balanced by any stretch. And NBC News, their headline said that Joe Biden was projected, projected. Now that word projected is at the very end of the title of their announcement. And it carries a lot of weight, actually. That word projected, that one little word is important to remember and we need to remember it. Joe Biden is not President of the United States of America, not yet, anyways. And I pray to the good Lord above for his mercy on our country instead of judgment, because a Joe Biden presidency will be judgment on this country, overlooking and doing an end run around investigations into fraud will be judgment on this country. The Never Trumpers who decided that the thing they hated most and wanted to fight against most was Donald J. Trump. If they overlook these legitimate concerns about voter fraud and say, I don't see it, I don't see it, there's no evidence, there's no evidence of that, I don't care, let's just move on. If they do that, and there actually is massive voter fraud that was perpetrated here, they're not going to benefit from that in the long run. They think they will. They believe that they can turn coat and betray the Republican president of the United States in his bid for re-election but there will be judgment on this entire country and there will be judgment on those never Trumpers for having done what they are doing right now, if that comes to pass. But Fox News, which used to style itself or present itself as a conservative mainstream media news outlet, quickly picked up what NBC News and Drudge Report were putting down and decided they would go all in on this claim that Biden has been elected. He has not been elected, by the way. Fox News saying it does not make it any more true than Fox News projecting that Arizona was going to go to Biden made it true. Arizona was going to go to Trump, and they decided to call it way too early for Biden because they wanted Biden to win. Let me make that clear by repeating it. Fox News wanted Biden to win. Fox News hired Donna Brazile despite her corrupt, absolutely blatantly hand-caught in the cookie jar. We know it for a fact. It's not conjecture, corruption, working for the Democratic Party. They hired her. They fired Bill O'Reilly. They've censored Janine Pirro, Judge Janine Pirro, for making comments which were critical of radical Islam on air. Fox News is not fair and balanced. They are a mirage. They are pretenders at being fair and balanced, and they are actively courting Democrats. They have been actively courting Democrats for a long, long time. They are Judas, and all they really, really want is their 30 pieces of silver, and they don't care where it comes from. If they think they can get their 30 pieces of silver from the Democrats, then so be it. But there is a God in heaven. He will remember, and we should remember, and we should not listen to Fox News and not take seriously their spurless claims. But I want to read for you Proverbs 24 in its entirety here because there's a couple of key points 
that I think are important for us to keep in mind with regards to our personal lives, our spiritual lives, our relationships, our political engagement, our political statements, our political positions, our professional plans, the way we orient our families, the way we instruct and lead and help in our churches. So I'm going to read for you Proverbs 24 in the English Standard Version. I'm going to read the entire chapter, and then we're going to go back through, and we're going to talk about a couple of key passages and what their implications are. Proverbs 24, starting in verse 1. Be not envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them, for their hearts devise violence and their lips talk of trouble. By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might. For by wise guidance you can wage your war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. Wisdom is too high for a fool, and the gate he does not open his mouth. Whoever plans to do evil will be called a schemer. The devising of folly is sin, and the scoffer is an abomination to mankind. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, Behold, we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? My son, eat honey, for it is good, and the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Lie not in wait as a wicked man against the dwelling of the righteous. Do no violence against his home, for the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumbles in times of calamity. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. And let not your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest Yahweh see it and be displeased and turn away his anger from him. Fret not yourself because of evildoers, and be not envious of the wicked, for the evil man has no future. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. My son, fear Yahweh and the king, and do not join with those who do otherwise, for disaster will arise suddenly from them, and who knows the ruin that will come from them both. These are also the sayings of the wise. Partiality in judging is not good. Whoever says to the wicked, you are in the right, will be cursed by peoples, abhorred by nations. But those who rebuke the wicked will have delight, and a good blessing will come upon them. Whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. Prepare your work outside. Get everything ready for yourself in the field. And after that, build your house. Be not a witness against your neighbor without cause, and do not deceive with your lips. Do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay the man back for what he has done. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. So that is Proverbs 24, and I want to go back through, and I want to take this piece by piece, and I want to tell you what I believe the implications are specifically for our present situation in this country. We are Americans, and before you go talking about how our citizenship is in heaven, and you want to think on that, you want to meditate on that, and you don't want to talk about your responsibility as a citizen of this country, I want you to consider the analogy that Jesus is the bridegroom and that the church is his bride. We don't say with regards to that, that it is somehow unspiritual for you to congratulate a newly married woman. We don't withhold our celebration from the consecrating and the exchanging of vows that solidifies the marriage between a young man and a young woman just because marriage is used as a picture of our relationship with Christ as the church. So then why would you be so eager to talk about your citizenship being in heaven when we have matters of our earthly citizenship to address? The only thing I can figure is you do not want to 
participate in your responsibilities as a citizen of this country, you want to say, behold, we did not know this, as it says in verse 12 of chapter 24 of Proverbs. But we read in verse 12, if you say, behold, we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? The answer to these rhetorical questions is in the affirmative. God is the one who keeps watch over your soul and who weighs the heart, and he will repay man according to his work. We are told in verse 10, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. You are weak. You say you're tired and you just don't want to fight anymore. You're weak. That's not me saying that. That's Proverbs saying that. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, behold, we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? That is to say, God knows the insincerity of your remarks and your protestations. God knows how disingenuous you're being. God knows that you don't actually stay out of the fray because you were unaware of what was going on. You stay out of the fray because you don't want to pay a cost, because you know that there's a cost associated with this. And what this proverb is telling us is you need to double check your math. You need to consider the eternal cost-benefit analysis here and not just think about this in purely human terms. There is a cost that will be paid if you stand up against someone who is slaughtering another man, because if they're willing to slaughter that person, then what do you think they're willing to do to you if you stand up to them? We're told by Jesus, do not fear man who can only kill you and then has nothing more he can do to you. Fear God, who can both kill the body and send the soul into hell. I think some Christians don't believe that hell is a reality. They think that it's metaphorical, it's figurative, it's poetic. They don't believe that Satan is real. They don't believe that hell is real. And maybe just maybe they don't believe God is real. I wonder sometimes. Let's start from the top. Proverbs 24, starting in verse 1. Be not envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. For their hearts devise violence and their lips talk of trouble. Who is it in our political landscape with evil as a correct describer, descriptor, adjective, the Democrats, the left, nor desire to be with them. There's never Trump Republicans who are rushing to congratulate Joe Biden. Mitt Romney comes to mind. Jeb Bush comes to mind. They rushed to call and congratulate. The family of John McCain called to congratulate Joe Biden, nor desire to be with them. Hmm. Well, Okay, let's pray for healing for our country. Let's pray for unity over division. Let's pray that we can be united and be with evil men, right? No? No, we shouldn't pray for that? Oh, well, I mean, we're being divisive, right? I mean, well, wait, 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 what? This is no, don't desire to be with evil men? So you're saying we should be divided from them rather than unified with them? Okay, huh, well, now I'm really confused. Because I hear Christians saying, let's pray for healing for our country. And is this what they mean? They're praying for us to unify behind Joe Biden. Is this what they mean? They want to be with evil men? Their hearts devise violence and their lips talk of trouble. By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might. For by wise guidance you can wage your war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. Wisdom is too high for a fool. In the gates, he does not open his mouth. Now, let's consider this selection. By wisdom, a house is built. Well, you know what? Jesus went to heaven to prepare a place for us. In his father's house, there are many mansions, right? So we don't need to build houses here on earth. You're, you're being fleshly. Your flesh desires the house here on earth. That's not godly. That's not godly. You... you you Christians who are talking about your, your home, losing your home here on earth, that's not Christian, that's not spiritual. I mean, obviously this is allegorical, right? By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. That's, uh, boy, that doesn't sound very spiritual. Because you've got this mind-body dualism stuck in your brain, which you've been 
brainwashed into believing, which is as old as Gnosticism in its uh, untruth and its incongruity with the whole counsel of God, this mind-body dualism, which believes that what is spiritual just stays in your head and is in your heart. It's all metaphysical. That's all that really matters. And the physical world is corrupt. And so if you want a house and you want food and you want clothing and you want your family to be provided for material, that is, hmm, that's really too bad. That That's all fleshly. Hmm, no, 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 no. Check again. Double check your math there. Reconsider who it is that you were listening to when you learned that, when you were told that. By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. Solomon, in all your wisdom, are you saying that having a house built is a good thing? Jesus says, whoever hears my words and abides in them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And why is that a good thing? Why is it a good idea to build your house on the rock as opposed to building your house on the sand? Because a storm is coming. And the man who built his house on the sand is going to have his house knocked over. And the man who built his house on the rock is not. The man who built his house on the rock will be safe from the storm. And that is a good thing. God saw creation, all that he had made, on the end of the sixth day after he had made man in his image. And he said it was very good. He didn't just say it was good. He said it was very good. God created us for a purpose, to be here on this earth for a purpose. God put Adam in the garden to tend it, to keep it. God gave the command to Adam and Eve, and then later on to Noah and his sons and their wives, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it, subdue it, subdue it. That is work. That is do something. That is get off your butt and be productive. By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. So wait a second. Wait, 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 Solomon. By knowledge and wisdom, you build a house and you fill your house with precious and pleasant riches. All precious and pleasant riches. That sounds pretty fleshly. That sounds pretty unspiritual because we've accepted this mind-body dualism, which makes us completely unfruitful, passive, lukewarm, unproductive, wishy-washy, foolish. Wisdom is too high for a fool. In the gates, he does not open his mouth. He does not open his mouth in the gate because he doesn't know what to say. And he doesn't see the utility in saying anything. He doesn't think he needs to say anything. He thinks that whatever will be, will be. And he's just going to stay out of all that. A wise man is full of strength. And a man of knowledge enhances his might. For by wise guidance, you can wage your war. And in abundance of counselors, there is victory. Wait, 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 wait. Victory, war, might, strength, Solomon. Solomon, 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 what are you talking about? We can't be about that. We're supposed to be about the things that Christ is about. We're supposed to be about the things God is about. We can't be talking about strength and might and war and victory. And let me just tell you, I mean, you, you using that word fool in verse 7, that really triggers me. I mean, that's not very courteous. That's, that's not very kind. That's not very loving. I mean, what are you implying? What are you implying when you talk about fools? We're not supposed to use that kind of language. That's not what Jesus would want. Wisdom is too high for a fool. You're suggesting that some people are wise and other people are foolish? You're suggesting that we should want to be wise instead of being foolish? And that if we're foolish, that wisdom is too high for us? And I don't know. I, I don't know. I just, I don't know if I can open my mouth in the gate so I'm just going to say, I don't know, and shake my head, and then walk away and go about my business. And I will say, behold, we did not know this. God knows. You keep shaking your head and saying, I don't know. God knows. God knows that you know. God knows that you know, and that you pretend at ignorance because you don't want to do anything except serve yourself. And you have built your house on the sand. Whoever plans to do evil will be called a schemer. Wait a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you suggesting that some people plan to do evil and that some people scheme? Well, I mean, this uses the word schemer. That's not very kind. That's, boy, that's really divisive language. That's really divisive language. I don't think we should be using that kind of language, calling some people schemers. You know what? Actually, I think what we should do instead is we should call someone who uses words like schemer a conspiracy theorist. Yep, that's it. That's it. Because I have this lofty idea of human nature, 
which is not based on the scriptures, which believes that man is inherently good, I'm going to say that people do not scheme because that would be incongruous. That would not jive with my belief about human nature. I don't believe that humans are inherently bad. I think that humans are inherently good. And so I expect that when you say somebody's a schemer, that is bearing false witness. And I'm going to call you out on it for everybody to see, because that actually is somehow morally superior to you saying that some people are scheming. Me calling you a bearer of false witness is somehow morally superior to you saying that there could be fraud being perpetrated here, that there could be evil schemes that were planned, that people don't just accidentally do bad things. People do bad things on purpose. People plan to do evil. Verse 8, whoever plans to do evil. What this tells us is that some people do plan to do evil. They will be called schemers, rightly called, but they won't be called schemers by people in verse 12 who don't want to rescue those who are being taken away to death, who don't want to hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter, who do faint in the day of adversity, whose strength is small, who say then, behold, we did not know this. We didn't know that was going on. I mean, you can't be upset with us, right? Like we, we had no idea. We had no idea that your house was being broken into, that your possessions were being robbed, that your wife and daughter were being raped, that your sons were being murdered. We had no idea. I mean, of course we would have done something, but we had no idea because we turned up our noise machine in the middle of the night so we wouldn't hear the screams and the crying and the tumult as your house was ravaged. We saw these men coming. We knew they were coming. We overheard them talking about coming, but we didn't want to do anything about it because our citizenship is in heaven. Whoever plans to do evil will be called a schemer. The devising of folly is sin. The devising of folly is sin. And the scoffer is an abomination. The scoffer is an abomination. I see a whole lot of scoffers. I see a lot of scoffers who hear these allegations of voter fraud and they scoff at them. They scoff at them, in my experience, in my circle of friends and family, they scoff at them because they're never Trumpers, because they hate that orange man in the White House. They find him embarrassing. They find him obnoxious. And the truth of the truth of the truth is that he does not just gall them and embarrass them by his vices. He galls them and embarrasses them by his virtues because he has established his house with understanding. He has built his house by wisdom. He has filled his rooms with all precious and pleasant riches. And they're jealous and they're envious. A wise man is full of strength, but if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. And there's a lot of these Republicans who faint in the day of adversity and it embarrasses them that Trump has so much energy and so much courage. It embarrasses them. By contrast, they look weak. They look cowardly because they are weak and they are cowardly. They are cowards. They should look weak and cowardly because they are weak and cowardly. And they are envious of evil men and they desire to be with them. Their hearts devise violence and their lips talk of trouble. The devising of folly is sin and the scoffer is an abomination to mankind. You know what scoffing is, right? Scoffing is someone says something which is true and rather than you acting as though what they said was true when it is objectively true, rather than giving it merit, rather than treating that person with respect, rather than acknowledging the validity of what they've just said and considering it, having an ounce of humility, you mock them, you make fun of them, you insult them because you're a fool. The scriptures say that you are a fool. A scoffer is an abomination to mankind. Verse 13, my son, eat honey for it is good. Whoa. No, that's really going to hurt my diet. That's, ooh, man, that sounds, again, pretty fleshly. Eat honey, for it is good, and the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. <laughs> I think you're talking about my flesh. Because once again, I have this faulty idea of mind-body dualism, which I have inherited, which says that things which are enjoyable and which are material are bad and corrupt. But somehow, these ideas rattling around in my brain are not. If I just make sure it's all in my head then I'm good. I, I don't want to eat honey. Honey's not good. Well, Solomon just said, eat honey for it is good. Honey's good. The drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future and your hope will not be cut off. The inverse is also true. If you shake your head side to side and you say, no, 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 no. Wisdom? I don't want wisdom. I want to scoff. There will be no future. If you find it, there will be a future. But if you say, behold, we did not know this, there's no future for you. Your hope will be cut off. 
Verse 15, lie not in wait as a wicked man against the dwelling of the righteous. Do no violence to his home, for the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. The wicked flee, though no one pursues, also in another proverb, but the righteous are bold as a lion. The righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumbles in times of calamity. You're going to keep hitting me, and I'm going to keep getting up. You're going to strike me on the one cheek, and I'm going to turn to you the other also. And I'm going to keep coming back and back and back and back because God put me on this earth for a purpose. And by golly, I'm not going to quit until I have done the purpose for which I was put here. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest Yahweh see it and be displeased and turn away his anger from him. So your enemy, presumably, should be the wicked, should be evil men. Why else would God be angry with your enemy? But you're not supposed to rejoice when your enemy falls. When Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, we should not have celebrated. If we did, that was no bueno. That was not right. Let not your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest Yahweh see it and be displeased and turn away his anger from him. There's a lot of Biden supporters, active and passive, those who campaigned for him, those who voted for him, and those who decided to focus their fire on Trump, who supported Biden, because the enemy of my enemy is my friend. You wanted Biden because you hate that bad orange man. He is your enemy. A lot of you folks are rejoicing when your enemy falls. And you think that it's over. It's not over, by the way. God sees. Fret not yourself because of evildoers and be not envious of the wicked. For the evil man has no future. The evil man has no future. The evil man has no future. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. My son, fear Yahweh and the king, and do not join with those who do otherwise, for disaster will arise suddenly from them, and who knows the ruin that will come from them both. My son, fear Yahweh. Do you fear God? Now, we do not have a king. We do not live in a monarchy. But if we did, what would be the supreme law of the land? It would be the United States Constitution. And the fact that some are saying that's just wishful thinking proves that they would rather stand back as insurrectionists and rebels subvert our form of government, as rebellion overtakes the rule of law, as rioters and looters devising violence and lips talking of trouble seek to take over the country. The evil man has no future. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of the wicked. Be not envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. Verse 1 says, my son, fear Yahweh and the king, and do not join with those who do otherwise, for disaster will arise suddenly from them. And who knows the ruin that will come from them both? Do you know who does not fear Yahweh? The Democrats who scheme, who are, as a rule, envious of what others have, slanderous, bearing false witness against their neighbor, claiming that they're racists and sexists and homophobes and Islamophobes and bigots and white nationalists. They don't fear God. Do we fear God? These are also the sayings of the wise. Partiality in judging is not good. So if you Republicans said that Al Gore had every right to litigate the 2000 election or that Bush had every right to litigate the 2000 election and that it was indecisive and that the headlines which read that Al Gore was the president-elect were premature and invalidated ultimately, if you said that, but you're telling Trump to shut up and go away, and you're telling Trump supporters who are alleging fraud and saying there needs to be an investigation, if you're telling them, shut up, go away, and then you turn to the Democrats and you say, as verse 24 says, whoever says to the wicked, you are in the right, will be cursed by people, supported by nations. That's you, never Trumpers. You will be cursed by peoples, abhorred by nations. The whole world is watching and hearing you, and this will be remembered. Those who rebuke the wicked will have delight, and a good blessing will come upon them. Whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. <sighs> Lord God, my Father in heaven, may it be so, may it be said of me, that I rebuke the wicked, and that a good blessing will come upon me. That I give an honest answer. Verse 27, prepare your work outside, get everything ready for yourself in the field, and after that build your house. Prepare your work outside, get everything ready for yourself in the field. That sounds like you get ready. That sounds like you are intentional about it. That sounds like you make plans. And after you make plans, you build your house. You have to be intentional about this. You have to be resolute about this. You have to be committed or it just won't 
happen. You think that you're saving your career and you're saving your livelihood and you're saving your ability to provide for your family and you're saving your reputation and you're saving your standing with your Democrat friends and your never Trump friends. You think that you're ingratiating yourself to the new masters. Folly. You're joining with evil men. You're not providing an honest answer. You're showing partiality and judging. Whoever says to the wicked, you are in the right, will be cursed by peoples abhorred by nations. I'm sorry for you. I'm sad for you. At first I was angry with you, and now I'm just sad for you. I'm afraid for you. My conscience before God is clear, but I fear for you. You are being led away to the slaughter. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. Now listen here. You want to say you're about the gospel? If you see people being led away to the slaughter, and you do nothing, and you say nothing, you are just like what we are told not to be like. You see your brother naked, poor, hungry, homeless, and you pass along and you say, I'll pray for you. Be warmed and filled. How can you say that the love of Christ is in you? And then you, you turn to those who have more courage than you, who have more strength than you, and you tell them they're not being spiritual. They're being fleshly. How dare you? Lord, have mercy. Partiality in judging is not good. Whoever says to the wicked, you are on the right, will be cursed by peoples, abhorred by nations. But those who rebuke the wicked will have delight. Rebuke the wicked. Rebuke the wicked. Rebuke the wicked. Shame on you if your strength is so small that you cannot do that. Shame on you. Shame on you. Be not a witness against your neighbor without cause, and do not deceive with your lips. Do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay the man back for what he has done. Be not a witness against your neighbor without cause. You never trump Republicans. You're scoffing at people who are saying, no, there needs to be an investigation here. You're, you're turning to the Democrats. You're saying, you're in the right. Congratulations, you win. You traitors. You turncoats. We will not forget. We will not forget this. We will not support you being empowered. Your treachery will be remembered. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. That might actually be literally what happens under a Biden administration if we let them cheat, if we let them steal this. Poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. In other words, rioters and looters will come and take your stuff. You think you're comfortable now. You think you're making the wise decision, the shrewd decision. You're going to preserve your reputation. You're going to preserve your business. You're going to keep your professional network intact. You're going to keep your plans for Thanksgiving and Christmas intact with your family members that voted for the murder of children whose hands have shed innocent blood. Poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. A little sleep, a little slumber. I hope you slept well, because now it's time to wake up and it's about to get real. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. Do you know what? This is the most loving thing you could do to the coward and to the lazy person is to call them out for it. Your vineyard, your field, overgrown with thorns, ground covered with nettles, stone wall broken down. You're not keeping this place up. You're not maintaining it. You're not taking care of it. You're not being fruitful and multiplying, filling the earth and subduing it. You're not You're not being faithful. You're not being a good steward. Everything that you have is going to be taken away from you and given to someone else who invests it. You sluggard. That is not a fleshly thing for me to call you. That's not me being envious, malicious, slanderous. You're inactive. You're asleep at the wheel. You fold your hands and you take a nap. Say, I'm very tired. It's been a hard year. I've got to work Monday. You lack sense. Verse 30 and 31, I passed by the field of a sluggard. <gasps> oh, we shouldn't really call people sluggards. That's not, that's not very nice. I find that offensive language. That's very divisive. Hmm. By the vineyard of a man lacking sense. Lacking sense? You're saying they're stupid? No. Solomon's saying they're stupid. He's a wiser man than I. The sluggard, the lazy person, the sloth, the do-nothing lacking sense, lets his field and his vineyard get overgrown with thorns, his ground covered with nettles, stone wall be broken down. Poverty will come upon him like a robber and want like an armed man. And you contrast the end of this chapter with the beginning of this chapter. By wisdom, a house is built 
and by understanding it is established by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might, for by wise guidance you can wage your war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. Wisdom is too high for a fool, and the gate he does not open his mouth. That is the beginning of this chapter, and we just read the end of this chapter. And all throughout the wisdom literature, there is this comparing contrast. And the fool is shown even more foolish when a wise man is exemplified. When we see how the wise man handles his affairs, and we contrast that with how the foolish person handles their affairs, we appreciate all the more the wisdom of the wise and the folly of the foolish. And there's a lot of never-Trumpers right now who that is the real reason they hate Trump. It's not because he's crass. It's not because he's loud. It's not because he's arrogant. It's not because he's boastful. It's not because he's brash. It's not because he says unkind things. It's not because he uses choice words sometimes. The same words that they use in private when they stub their toe, but nobody saw that, so it doesn't count. It's not because he has been married multiple times. You know, read Solomon. Read Solomon in the Old Testament. How many wives and concubines did he have? Oh, that's right. 700 and 300. 700 wives and 300 concubines. But you, in all your splendor, are arrayed with more wisdom than Solomon. No, actually, you're conceited. You're conceited. You think that you're too good for all that. So you don't even read Proverbs. You don't even study Proverbs. You don't think about what this means for your life. By wisdom, a house is built. In other words, if you're wise, you're going to build a house. You're not going to be running around naked and afraid in the wilderness. You build a house. Step one. Step one to wisdom. Build a house. Because sometimes it gets stormy. Sometimes it gets cold. Sometimes winter comes. Sometimes storms roll in from the sea. Sometimes there are wild animals that want to carry off your child. You know, it's, it's remarkable to me that Never Trump Republicans are consoling themselves about the results of this election that they think is concluded, which it is not. You know, get your fingers out of your ear and stop saying, no, 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 I can't hear you, right? Grow up. It's not over. But it is remarkable to me that the Democrats are consoling themselves by this mirage, this illusion that Biden is a traditional Democrat and he's not a radical. You did not pay attention the past four years. You did not pay attention for the past 12 years. You don't know Biden. Biden doesn't know Biden. Biden needs other people to write his script so he can finish a sentence. And Biden has a script which he hasn't read all of, but at a certain point will involve his stepping down so that Kamala Harris can step up. And Kamala Harris is the most radical left senator in the United States of America. She's left of Bernie Sanders, and she's younger. She has more energy, and she's a colored person. She's not white, and she's a woman. And the combination of those two things mean that the very fact that she will be president will make her immune from any and all disagreement, criticism, and contradiction. Already, just when she was running, opposition to her and criticism of her was called racist and sexist. So you will lose your job. You will lose friends. You will lose family when you finally have the good sense to wake up and realize what's happened. When the storm hits and you suddenly realize that your house was built on the sand, when the storm hits and your house is tottering, you'll realize that Biden was not Biden. Biden was Kamala Harris. Biden was a head fake to make you think that Democrats were going to be moderate. Biden just recently announced that AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, won't be disappointed by what he does. She won't be disappointed. She won't be disappointed. AOC, an out-and-out socialist, won't be disappointed. Do you know why she won't be disappointed? Because that's what you get. You don't get Biden, the traditional Democrat, the God and country Democrat. You don't get Biden, who's saying peace, peace, who's saying very fine things because it's all deception. All warfare is deception, by the way. Sun Tzu. This is a fact of strategy that's as old as strategy itself. All warfare is deception. B.H. Liddell Hart. Strategy, the indirect approach, tells us that you don't attack your enemy head on. You don't attack them where the defenses are up. Our defenses were up for socialism. Our defenses were not up for Biden. Unfortunately, we had our defenses up within our own camp on the Republican side against Trump. In fact, 
The men who were manning the walls decided to turn their back on the rampaging hordes at the gates and point their crossbows and their arquebusers at the commander-in-chief. And they would rather open the city gates and let the barbarians in, let the rioters and the looters have their day. They would rather that than have to listen to the bad orange man that they envy so much. They would rather that than actually fight the real threat, the existential threat that might be costly. They're sunshine patriots. They're cowards. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. So that is to say, some people are weak. Some people are weak. You're a weak man. It might be me too. We'll see. We'll see. Whoever plans to do evil will be called a schemer. There are people who plan to do evil. If you don't believe that, then you are simple. You're simple-minded. There are people who devise folly. The devising of folly is sin. There are people who devise folly. The scoffer is an abomination of mankind. Well, that tells me there is such a thing as a scoffer. Now, who's the scoffer in this scenario? The person who says, I'll believe that there's evidence of fraud and corruption when I see evidence. Evidence would convince me that there is evidence. Behold, we did not know this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? You think you're saving your marriage. You think you're saving your relationship with your child's teachers. You think you're saving your relationship with your clients and your coworkers and your peers. You think you're going to have more customers under a Biden administration. If you're a good little boy right now, hmm, Mm-mm-mm-mm. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? Will he not repay each man according to his work? Partiality and judging is not good. It's not good. Whoever says to the wicked, you are in the right, will be cursed. It will be cursed. Damn your pride. Damn your folly. Damn your ignorance. Damn your treachery. A pox on that. A pox on your defeatism. A pox on your white flag. A pox on your weakness. Be not a witness against your neighbor without cause. Do not deceive with your lips. I will never trust you again. I will never trust you, you supposed conservatives who sold us out. If you're successful, even if you're not successful, I will never trust you again. You think uh, you're a never-Trumper and that makes you high and mighty, that makes you really noble. God knows. I mean, we're talking about thousands of children in this country murdered every single day. You're not worried about that. No, 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 no. The bad orange man used a, a word that we don't use in my house. That's what I'm worried about. Do you know why his language bothers you? Do you, know, do you know why his tweeting bothers you so much? It bothers you because it offends your sense of propriety. And your sense of propriety is all wrapped up in your ego. And it's all wrapped up in your reputation. And what you really care about most is your pride and your ego and your reputation. You care about that first and foremost. And the reason I know that is because when you have five minutes to talk about politics, you want to talk about Trump tweeting more than you want to talk about abortion. You want to talk about Trump tweeting more than you want to talk about the rioting and the looting and the defunding of police. You want to talk about Trump needing to just man up and concede the election already and act like a big boy, you condescending twit. You don't want to talk about fraud and theft and lying and deceit and schemes of evil men. You don't want to talk about those stumbling to the slaughter because socialism will slaughter them. You don't want to talk about rescuing those who are being taken away to death. You want to show partiality in judging. You'd rather join in with the many. And Proverbs says that is not right. That is not wise. That is not good. Whoever says to the wicked, you are in the right, will be cursed by peoples, abhorred by nations. But those who rebuke the wicked will have delight. Those who rebuke the wicked will have delight. Did you know that? I mean, that's... That's investing in your long-term happiness. Those who rebuke the wicked will have delight. Somebody's acting the fool. Someone is being evil. They're scheming. There are schemers, and they scheme. Schemers going to scheme. Don't hate the player, hate the game. This is human nature. Apart from Christ, this is what it is. You don't know history if you think otherwise. You don't know your Bible if you think otherwise. You think people are inherently good, or, or, or you think that treating people as if they're inherently good talking to them as if they're inherently good, that that is the most loving thing? When does repentance calls enter into that? When does the gospel become necessary in that? You treat them as if they're inherently good? Why? From whence comes this folly? Be not a witness against your neighbor without cause. Do not deceive with your lips. Do not deceive with your lips. Do not say to the wicked, you are in the right. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. This isn't about Trump. This isn't about 
how much you like him or dislike him. It's not about how much I like him or dislike him. This is about your neighbors, your friends, your family, being taken away to death, stumbling to the slaughter. And he who weighs the heart perceives it. He who keeps watch over your soul knows it. He will repay each man according to his work. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. That is the most loving thing I could possibly tell you right now. You want to celebrate, you want to put on a happy face, you want to smile. You want to say that some of us are just sour because we didn't get our way last week. And that's really the flesh. We need to unify. We need to come together. We need to shake hands. We need to get along now for the next four years because Romans 13. You know what? The fundamental principle of hermeneutics is that you don't just pull a chapter, a verse out and make that your life verse out of context, out of context of the book that you're reading that chapter in or that verse in. And you don't pull it out of context of the writer New Testament or the Old Testament, you don't pull it out of context of the whole counsel of God. You interpret scripture with scripture. Romans 13 does not mean that all of a sudden you show partiality in judging and that's good. Romans 13 doesn't mean that you say to the wicked, you're in the right. Romans 13 does not mean that you suddenly become a witness against your neighbor. Romans 13 does not mean that you deceive with your lips. Romans 13 does not mean that all of a sudden we're supposed to praise you and laud you if you faint in the day of adversity. Romans 13 does not mean that all of a sudden the rest of the wisdom literature, the rest of what God says about wisdom and folly, we can just throw out the window. You've got a new God, Joe Biden. Behold, behold your golden calf. You don't get to ignore the rest of the scriptures just because you want to go along to get along right now. And that's what I fear for you. That's what I fear is your real reason is just like all of these verses I just read, all this whole chapter, Proverbs 24, it tells us to not do certain things and to do other things because we will foolishly be tempted to do the wrong thing, to do the foolish thing, and to not do the right thing, to not do the wise thing. We will scoff. We will be envious of evil men. We will desire to be with them because we think if we just hitch our wagon to the evil men, at a certain point, we'll have our opening. We'll have our shot. We don't intend to ever call them to repentance. We intend to flatter them because as long as we save our necks, we can keep on doing God's work, supposedly, probably. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, persecution is coming, right? Like the sooner it gets worse, the sooner it can get better. And come Lord Jesus and socialists who are going to persecute Christians for disagreeing with them about the LGBT, disagreeing with them about abortion, disagreeing with them about confiscating other people's wealth and redistributing it, theft, slander. We think that siding with those people will bring persecution either passively or actively. Either you support them or you just oppose all of their opponents until there's nothing left but them. Process of elimination. Because then we'll have persecution and then the persecution will be purifying and a refining fire someday someday no 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 you're not ready for persecution because you can't even stand up under the trial that we're in right now even the cost that you would pay right now is too high and so you want me to believe that when they threaten your life when they threaten your family's life overtly when the mob and their torches and their pitchforks shows up at your house to destroy your business to destroy your career to destroy your life, possibly, to take your life, to throw you in jail, that will be the point at which you're ready to pay the cost? Maybe. Maybe. But you're not ready now. You're not ready now because you can't even stand up to it now. Whoever plans to do evil will be called a schemer. You know that at some point you'll be persecuted, so why is it so hard for you to believe that there's persecution now? And why do you scoff at those who try and warn that trouble is coming for your good. Why is it that you scoff at those people who are trying to rescue those being led away to death, stumbling to the slaughter? Why is it you scoff at us? Why is it that you throw us to the wolves? Why, why do you do that? You do it to save your skin. You do it to save your neck. You do it because you're not ready. You're not ready for this. And I fear for you. You know, this is my little outlet, this little podcast, my writing, my social media, my conversations with people. And I want to conduct myself in such a way and to be a person who gives an honest answer, who rebukes the wicked for one thing, because I know I will have delight and a good blessing will come upon me. 
And I want to give an honest answer because whoever gives an honest answer, according to verse 26 of Proverbs 24, kisses the lips. I want to do all of that so that at the end of my road, whenever that comes, I hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your place of rest. And I don't want to hear the words, depart from me, I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. I don't want to be cast out. I want to be welcomed in. Show me your faith without works. I will show you my faith by my works, as James says. So that is it. That is a wrap for this episode. That is Proverbs 24. I would be encouraged if you read this and you listen to this and you are an ally. And if you set your face against me, then I will be sad, but I will press on because I love God first and I love my neighbor as myself second. First and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. That is what I intend to be about. And if you are wise, you'll do likewise. So thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Hit me up if you have any questions, comments, concerns, complaints, objections. And if you have an idea for a topic you'd like me to cover in a future podcast, I'd love to hear it, and I'd love to run with it. So thank you. Till next time, God bless.